104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Yes, it is another beautiful Sunday for us to be talking sports. I am joined, of course, by the namesake for our show, Ned Reynolds. Ned, how are you today? It is a beautiful Memorial Day Sunday. What more could you want? Sunny. It's it's not too warm. You know, I like it about 80 or 90, but we'll get there someday. Ned's a lizard, for those of you that don't know. He's got a heat rock that he sleeps on most of the time in a solarium. We'll speak to uh, John Oliver. John, how are you today? I'm, I'm doing well, trying Gosh. Trying not to get caught in a pickle between first and home. <laughs> how's, how's your Memorial Day weekend going so it's far? It's been good. It's been relaxing. So. Uh, Josh Roberts is with us. How are you, Josh? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, I do like the weather kind of cool like this. Sunny and cool. It's beautiful. Be nice to get out and do something. Like what? I don't know. M-O-W. No, <laughs> D-R-I-N-K. <laughs> So let's get into it. There's a lot to talk about with sports. And where do, where do you guys want to start at? Where do you want to start with sports? Well, we can start with the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Yes. We could start with yeah. the Indianapolis 500. The, let's uh, start with the Cardinals. Let's, let's talk. They've been one of the hottest teams in baseball. They've cooled off just a little bit. But what's going on in the world of the Cardinals? Well, they're playing today. a team right now who they have to sweep. And they've, they've won the first three game, uh, games in this four-game series with the Diamondbacks. If they don't win game number four... It'll be a failure because this is not a good team. They have to be beaten. Them, the Pirates, the uh, maybe the Miami Marlins, Colorado Rockies. These are the weak teams on your schedule who, if you're going to contend for a championship, you have to beat. So far, the Cardinals have. The Diamondbacks, they're a professional baseball team, yes. And they do have some talent on the team. But that's a team that is so inconsistent with what they did last night, case in point. They've hit the ball fairly well. They're behind, what, 8-5, to eight to five, I think it was. They score a run in the last of the ninth. It's 8-6, to six, and they have the bases jammed. Can't score. They had the bases loaded twice in the game and can't score. Well, that's not a good team when that happens. Anyway, the Cardinals beating up on these teams, and they have to because they play the Dodgers starting tomorrow night, and then the very inconsistent Cincinnati Reds, who are not a bad team, but have zero pitching. Anyway, the, <laughs> the bottom line is this. Uh, the Cardinals are playing well. Are they a great team? I can't convince myself that they are, but they are taking advantage of circumstances which are being presented to them right now. What do you think, John? Uh, I agree with you, Ned. I, as far as the Cardinals are concerned, you know, we've talked about the walks with the pitching. That has been a killer for them. These are series they have to win in order to get to the playoffs, even though it's early. They have to beat these teams like the Diamondbacks, like the Rockies. You know, you've seen the offense kind of tick up with Tyler O'Neill coming back. Harrison Bader should be back not too long. It's just a really inconsistent bag we get from this team. We have you know these superb pitching performances, and then they don't score a run. Then they'll score 13 the next night, and then the next night they've got 12 Ks and <laughs> no runs. So it just comes down to that consistency again. I do like the offense better this year with Arenado. I think it's helped immensely having his presence in the middle of the order. But I think Cardinals fans are just going to see the – kind of the back-and-forth inconsistency. The bright side so far is the bullpen is stellar. I don't remember having three pitchers right now like Cabrera, Gallegos, and Reyes that can shut down the 7th, 8th, and ninth. 
the three amigos. That's right. Yeah. What do you think, Josh? I don't follow the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> the Cubs are eight and two in their last ten, though. They've been hot. They're only a half game back from the Cardinals right now. Well, yeah. Any time they can get in a between, I've not seen this until just yeah, 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 I haven't sure. seen that home either. plate and first base and get in a rundown, <laughs> and, and then not thing. and then not be out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's I've fun never one. seen anything like that. That's bizarre. Let's stop and talk about an interesting story that happened with the Cardinals this weekend. Uh, manager Mike Schilt tossed. During a game over a foreign substance yes. argument, your thoughts, Ned, on well, that whole situation? I understand his point because the the cheating that pitchers do, which is not new, but nobody's cracked down on it, and and they do. He's he's arguing he's shilt because well, first of all, Cowboy Joe is the man who made Gallegos <laughs> uh, take his hat off. He, anytime you're going to get into a argument on the field, it's got to be with Cowboy Joe. Or Angel Hernandez. One of the two, yes. (laughs) Anyway, uh, his his point is, why are you focusing on us? Everybody else is doing this. Mm -hmm. And then then when he uh, got off in the press conference and blamed Major League Baseball for not cracking down, and I like Schilt for saying this because it's Mm -hmm. probably right. I'm going to get fined for this, but I'm going to tell you this anyway. His his point is this. If you can... If you can crack down on the batters and other phases of the game where there is some level of inconsistency, where the rules aren't being followed, don't just uh, isolate on that. The pitchers do. Hey, they. you guys remember Joe Negro. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nail, nail file. <laughs> I mean, he's got it there in his, in his pocket, for heaven's sake. Yeah. Gaylord Perry. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. Some really great pitchers have been known. Yeah. and. When you see these guys on the mound and they're constantly going to their hair, they're not doing that because they hope that they look good. They're putting something on the ball at that time. Have you guys seen a hat from the 50s or 60s? It's not just wear and tear. This isn't anything new. No. There are competitive advantages in every sport. Baseball pitchers are going to have substances to get a better grip on the baseball. Where it crosses the line is when it affects the spin rate and the dip of the ball. But I want to, I have a question as a, as a more casual baseball fan, Mm -hmm. why, why, I mean, I understand that it can greatly affect that, Mm -hmm. but why do they let them have, like, what's the rosin bag or whatever they have at the, at the pitcher's mound? What, why do they let them have something, but not anything? Yeah, but you see the rosin bag is there for drying the hands. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it would not it would not really affect any kind of spin ratio or anything like that. It's moisture, and the rosin bag doesn't have any moisture in it. It's a drying purpose. That's the reason for it out there. So that part of it would be allowed. It, it improves the grip on bats mm-hmm. as well as, as your grip on the baseball. But as far as making the baseball more slippery, like slippery elm uh, and chewing huh? gum, actually more bubble gum than anything else, where saliva is created, that's mm-hmm. where you have the advantage. Or grip, too, whenever you're putting, like, a pine tar or exactly. you're putting some sort of hair gel or something on the baseball and it mm-hmm. makes it sticky, it helps with the grip and that helps with the spin rate of the yes, baseball. Sure. So, it, you know, my thing with this is I always think let them do it unless they're just stupid. I think you guys Absolutely. probably remember Pineda a few years ago and he oh. had a big... <laughs> pine tar mark on the side of his head i remember it well yeah and and it's just like you're getting ejected because you're dumb you're not even trying here to hide the foreign substance well and anybody that wants to attack baseball if you think for one second receivers in the nfl aren't spraying stick them all over these wonderfully 
tacky gloves. Well, they make those gloves to be so tacky. They do. Now. They don't even need stick them. Oh, you they still the spray it. One finger. Oh, I know they still do, but that, that's why they outlawed the, yeah. the traditional stick them. No, this is much ado about nothing, Joe. It's I'm glad Schilt came out and called them out on it because it is so inconsistent. And what did Gallegos do after they took his hat and gave him a clean one? Oh, he went one, two, three, and retired the side. Shocker. He can he can pitch. <laughs> the, the guy can pitch. Reyes can pitch. My problem with the relief corps is it's still May, for yeah. heaven's sake, and he's using these guys virtually every yes. game. Mm-hmm. Come on, there's a point of no return here, and I'm not so sure that Schilt, I'm not criticizing his managing, mm-hmm. but when you use relief, I don't know, I think the Cardinals have... Uh, two or three complete games this year. One of them would be Wainwright, and yes. probably Flaherty has one. Mm-hmm. You've got to have some somebody to take those innings. You can't have your relievers in every single game, for heaven's sake. But And again, Major League Baseball has changed considerably. Yes. You brought up a very good point, though, uh, John, about the, about the walks. The Cardinals are by far the Major League leader in allowing walks. I think it's 230 maybe 235 or something like that at this juncture. And you're going, they're averaging four and a half walks a game. We can get away with some circumstances like that, but there are other factors that are going to come back to a haunt you. For instance, the one game that the Cardinals did win in Chicago against the White Sox, you guys see how many Cardinals went down on strikes in that game? Oh, yes. 14. 14 <laughs> strikeouts. And you say, well, my God, how could the Chicago White Sox not win a game? Look what happened to them. They left 13 runners on base. Now, is that good pitching or is that just, hey, it's one of those days in which the hit just doesn't come? Well, who knows? Who knows what happens? But I I will tell you this, that can't continue. No. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, your local live sports talk show. Ned Brinnells, Josh Roberts, John Oliver, Joe Weston. We're talking Cardinals baseball, let's talk a little baseball on the whole. Yes. Uh, John's kind of our resident baseball expert. What are you seeing right now, John? We're about at the quarter point of the season. What um, what are you seeing? Starting to see baseball right size a little bit because we talked about the horrible averages in the first month. You're starting to see guys make more contact. You know, again, people have pointed out, you know, the dead in baseballs. I'd, I'd be more of a believer in that if we didn't have eight guys on pace for 50-plus home runs right now. <laughs> uh, I think someone, if you don't pay attention, and it's hard to pay attention because they move so often from field to field because they don't have a home stadium right now. The Toronto Blue Jays are really a fun team to watch. Yep, Vladimir Guerrero, I have always thought, had the ability to be an MVP contender. He is absolutely the American League MVP right now. I don't think that's up for debate. And if you haven't watched Braves games, you know, formerly America's team on on uh, TBS. TBS, thank you. Ronald Acuna, with being injured, still has, I believe, 15 home runs at this point. Fernando Tatis missed three weeks. He now has 15 home runs. I mean, there's a lot of young talent. Tyler O'Neill of the Cardinals comes back uh, from the injured <laughs> list, and he had, was it four straight games? Yeah, that he's, he's got 11. 11 home runs already. I'm going to throw in a little footnote about the Braves, though. They had uh, a legal problem yesterday oh, that yes. may come back to haunt them rather uh, significantly. This is our boy Osuna, who was, you know, I, I, I never did think he was 
he could hit the long ball and all that. He's not the guy the Cardinals really wanted from the Marlins. It was Yelich, mm -hmm. but they got Osuna uh, in the deal. And he, I'm not sure that he's a real stable individual. Case in point, now he's out with a couple of uh, hurt fingers right now, but he also beat up, apparently, allegedly, anyway, his wife yeah. last night. And the police saw it happening. Yes. Saw wow. it. Visually saw it happening. Yeah. So he may be... Uh, he may be O-U-T and not just at first base or second base or third. He may be O-U-T for a long time. He's going to be investigated under MLB's domestic violence policy. Um, one footnote to this, you talk about volatile. Uh, his wife was arrested twice last year for beating him up. <laughs> so this obviously isn't a good situation. So at some point, I think something has to be done. And it's a little toxic. still married? Still married. <laughs> Your Cubs are playing pretty good baseball. Yeah. I mean, surprisingly, playing yes. pretty good baseball. They're they're twenty nine and twenty two and second behind the Cardinals, half game back. Mm -hmm. Padres. I think that was expected. That everybody thought that they would uh, have a good season. I yes. think what's probably surprising in the NL West is the Giants are playing good baseball with virtually nobody it, on that team. Old, old is Buster the new Posey. young, apparently, with Evan Longoria, Buster Posey, Brandon yep. Crawford. They're all having superb seasons. Oakland's come down to earth a little bit, but they're still out in front of the American League mm -hmm. West by three, two and a half games over the Houston Astros. The Astros are to be expected. The rest so of that can division, I, can iffy. Can I throw in a little consensus among you guys' sure, question yeah, here? Sure. You mentioned that. It just hit me. Oakland. Mm -hmm. Will they be Oakland next year? No. I do not think so. I don't think so either. No. And it's three against none, I guess, or four against none, because I don't think they will be. No. I, where do you think they go? You know, there's a couple of landing spots. Honestly, Las Vegas would make the most sense. Again, I know poor Oakland with losing <laughs> these teams to Las Vegas. I've also been a big proponent for Nashville and Indianapolis getting major league franchises at some point. So. I would like to see them go to Portland. And Portland, Oregon would be a great spot because as well. Because it, it fits mm -hmm. with baseball. It fits with the ge the geography of baseball. If you move them to Nashville or mm -hmm. Memphis, then you're you're losing a. You'd have to shift things around a little bit. But so I'd like to see a team in Portland, and, yeah. and they have a rich history of baseball there. I don't know if you did. You ever watch the documentary about the 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 Portland independent baseball team that yes. uh, Kurt Russell's dad? Uh, had that's a really interesting Netflix documentary. If you haven't seen it, it's uh, it's pretty good. I have to just offer, for what it's worth, a little disagreement. I think okay. Las Vegas is where they would probably end up, if for no other reason than it is a burgeoning metropolitan yes. area that is still <laughs> expanding almost daily, for oh, heaven's sake. And uh, with the transient population coming in there and individuals who identify with various teams, I think both them and the Raiders, and you've seen what the Golden Knights have done with a hockey team in Las Vegas, mm -hmm. uh, selling out with every single game. I think the, the athletics franchise would do very well there. That's not to say they wouldn't in Portland, but by the same token, I think that uh, Vegas is probably going to be the more alluring atmosphere. I agree with you there. I think that Portland... Is, again, another growing city. It'd be a great mm -hmm. place to see a baseball team go. But, you know, the allure since basically, let's face it, over the last uh, decade, sports has given itself over to gambling. It's of just said, well, it let's just go ahead and let's do that. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I saw one ticker the other day. I don't know what channel I was watching, whether it was Fox Sports or Bally or whether it was... Uh, uh, ESPN, but the whole sidebar, which was almost a, a third of the screen, was all odds and over under and stuff like that. And I looked at it and I thought, this makes no sense to me. And I'm a sports fan. Mm -hmm. 
So I mean, I, I get it. I get the allure that it's going to be that it's going to be there, and I and I'm not knocking them, but I, I it would be good to see Portland get a team. Yeah, Josh, you have any thoughts where you'd like to see a team go? Maybe a third team in Chicago? <laughs> no, I don't think that's necessary. <laughs> Uh, you know, I kind of agree with you. I think it'd be good to see see a team up there in in Oregon, just to kind of ba- keep the West Coast balanced a little bit. You know, I mean, there's too many teams in California, so if Oakland leaves California, that brings a little bit of balance. But I don't know. I mean, I think they probably will end up in Vegas too, because like you all said, it's the allure of it. You know, the the flash. They're gonna they're gonna have a huge fan base. Right off the bat, because that's what Vegas Vegas supports their sports. Apparently, yeah i I don't begrudge the teams from moving from Oakland though, because there's just so it's a community that first of all that refuses to be held hostage, which yeah. I, I admire that because sports franchises do hold communities hostage. I mean, we've seen it with mm-hmm. St. Louis Cardinals making veiled threats. Well, we'd hate to move to. Somewhere else, right? But across guys, the river, if you guys don't give us a state. Well, go ahead. I would say, have you been across the river? Just go ahead and move there. <laughs> go ahead. Just go right ahead and move there. You just move your team there and see how many people come to games. Right. Anyway, but the stadiums there, are, you know, the Oakland Alameda Coliseum has way outlived its usefulness. There was a, there was a time last in a past couple of seasons where the sewers backed up. Yeah. And the the opposing team's dugout was filled with sewage. Yes, during games. Mm-hmm. Come on, yeah. yeah it's, no, I, can't we do something here? It, something needs to happen there, absolutely. And Joe, in relation to what you were saying about the betting odds, notice we're currently watching the St. Louis Cardinals on Bally Sports. Bally Sports. <laughs> What's Bally's business again? Oh yeah, yeah. I Slot think machines. And- <laughs> this is what it's. Uh, Joe's right. This is what it's leading to eventually. Yes. Now you can't do it in Missouri. Uh, the Bally mm-hmm. uh, Bally does is uh, very much uh, in vogue in the state of Missouri as far as watching things, but not betting. You can't. You can't do that yet. Yes. But I do think that will happen somewhere along the line. But you're you're right. The gambling aspect of it is is really coming full force now. Many states, and not Missouri, but many states, so you can bet on the college football games and 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 who doesn't clandestinely. So it's sure from one aspect of things, the certain element of our society will say, oh, it's not good. It's going to lead to all sorts of degradation to the human being and so well come on not really because it is part of the recreation uh, you can go overboard with anything sure alcohol just anything absolutely Eating, come on anything to excess that's exactly right and the same thing would be here i would bet that 90 get this bet. i would bet that 98 percent of the individuals who gamble know their limitations i i would disagree with that wholeheartedly well, Maybe so. I don't know any figures. I am I am guessing with the people that I deal with that, um, for the most part, they're very mature and understanding about what they can do and what they can't do, and they don't get ter- terribly carried away. Now, there are circumstances where, oh, my God, I won $300. Time to put everything on this. No, yeah. <laughs> Come on. That, <laughs> how often does this happen? I, I, I wonder. But, what? yes, I think it is the going thing in sports now. Let's come back and talk about this in the next segment because I'm interested to get everybody's thoughts about gambling and sports because it's obviously changing. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Nad Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk 
on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Yep, we are doing Ned Talk. We're talking about sports on a beautiful Sunday Memorial Day weekend. Ned will probably get out and mow. Not probably will. Will get out and mow. <laughs> Shirtless, so ladies. No, that won't happen. You're driving around. Let's talk more about uh, gambling and sports because, uh, you know, it was a big no-no most of our lives growing up. It was a big no-no, I'm sure, for you and talking about sports because, you know, the Black Sox scandal and many other scandals throughout the year, especially college basketball. That dates back really to, hard. to my youth, as a matter of fact. The college basketball scandals that did occur back in the late 40s and early 50s, there were teams in New York City that were big-time, big-time college basketball powers. NYU, CCNY, these were really major national powers. And now NYU plays Division Three, and CCNY may also play Division Three. They had to lower the scale of the program all because the gamblers got involved. All the games back then, back in the late 40s and early 50s, were played at Madison Square Garden. All the big ones. And the NIT was bigger than the NCAA back then. And the NIT got itself in hot water. As a matter of fact, there was one year in 1951 in which the, the, the folks in New York invited all these big-name teams to come there for doubleheaders, St. John's against Kentucky, and uh, maybe Fordham against uh, some some other big school, UCLA or somebody, and they'd all oh they'd love to get me. New York, Madison Square Garden, heavens yes, we're going there. Big crowds and all that sort of thing. Of course, no TV back then, but gambling was huge. <laughs> well, in 1951, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the schools got involved in a big. I think it was CCNY got involved in uh, a gambling circumstance. And also implicated in that circumstance, never accused, but implicated, was Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And Adolph Rupp, the Baron of the Bluegrass, shut down his program for that one year. They said, wow. we will not play uh, no basketball. And this is a great Kentucky team and, and uh, wonderful uh, backing from the fans and so forth. Just, just one of the iconic sports programs in the country. <clears throat> and uh, Kentucky shut down. All because of gambling. All because that happened. Then in my, for let's see, where was was I, either a, a freshman or sophomore? I don't remember. At Temple, Philadelphia's St. Joe's. St. Joseph's went to the Final Four. Played <laughs> Ohio State in the semifinals. Had a five to nothing lead in the game and lost it about ninety eight to sixty something. It was Jerry Lucas and John Havlicek and the, a great Ohio State team that went on to win the state championship. St. Joe, back then they had a third-place game. St. Joe's won the third-place game, beat Utah or somebody. Later on, at a postseason banquet, everybody in the Philadelphia media was all there, all the the big names, maybe a 1,000 people. They noticed that the St. Joe's team just really wasn't very excited. Why? Because they were about to be implicated in point shaving. And they were. Now, their program didn't get shut down, but Dr. Ramsey had to have... No scholarships for a couple of years, so that'll eliminate any kind of uh, building of a a roster that you're going to have. All that has occurred, and since then, heck, uh, when I was here at uh, KY3, Boston College got involved in a a point-shaving scandal. Very easy for these kids to do and understand, say, hey, I'm going to give you 10000 bucks. You don't have to lose the game, just shave the points on Uh it. It can happen. And you saw the NBA referee. Yes. Yep. 
And that's so, one of the things, I mean, uh, for people who don't <clears throat> understand, one of the worst things that can happen to a sport is that the public begins to believe that it's manipulated by an outside source. And I think uh, you see that, you see a little bit of that feeling, not a huge amount where people have lost confidence in the sport, but I, but I think you see it in basketball in professional basketball. And I, mm-hmm. and I think you see it a bit in the NFL too, oh, not yeah. to a degree where people are jumping up and down and saying there's something going on here or that it's being manipulated, but that thought is in the back of people's minds. And when you have a referee who gets caught, then it really starts to put that notion in your mind. And Joe, what really bothered me personally about the NBA situation where the referee, the, the NBA and the, was it um, the late commissioner now? uh, Oh, uh, David Stern. David Stern. Yes. David Stern and his whole entourage was immediate immediate and saying he's the only one this is an isolated right. incident <laughs> wait a minute that. how the hell do you yeah, know it's yeah, the, yeah, he's yeah. the only one when you just came out with the story they mm-hmm. covered that up so fast he couldn't possibly have been the only one i agree now how how stinking is that whole circumstance I, donahue is that what it's yeah called? yeah tim donahue he go, goes to jail and within the first uh, two months of being in jail, both his legs are broken. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, we don't, I think we kind of live in an age where we don't like to think that there's organized crime still exists. <laughs> That's what I was just going to bring up. <laughs> but yeah. organized crime was very involved in the Tim Donahue situation. Mm. Sure they may not be as powerful as they once were, but they're still there. They're still making moves. I think yeah. it's a different animal yeah. that we're dealing with now in the... technological age that we are in and i think those elements are definitely still out there and that's that's unfortunately the downside of betting on sports there's always going to be somebody that can put down a life-changing bet and they may do anything in the world to try to ensure that happens and when that does happen the credibility as joe just pointed Mm -hmm. out with with the fan base has been fractured and you can't have that because that ruins the whole scheme of things in all of athletics and how many times have you seen it? You mentioned the NFL or the NBA or anything where a strange play has occurred that does alter the outcome of the game. Well, it's part of athletics, number one, but the cynic and moi may be one of them sometimes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There it is right there. I think the most glaring one that I ever saw, ever, at any time in any place, was in the Navy in 1965 watching... Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston in mm. Maine. And uh, come on. The Phantom Punch? Phantom Punch. That right. was a Phantom Punch. There was no punch. <laughs> right. And he takes the dive down there. And it's later been generally accepted now that the fix was in. Yeah. Well, that happened. It happened in front of everybody. Yeah. And while there was the immediate denial, now, come on. You can only fool the public. Some of the some of the people all the time, yeah. most of the people all the time, or whatever is not all the people all the time. Right. Well, it's always we were talking earlier about foreign substances on baseball. It's always looking for somebody to get advantage, whether it's one way or another. Josh, your thoughts on all the gambling and sports? Well, I, you know, I'm I'm I like to do some gambling on sports, but what I usually do is I'll I'll bet on my favorite team to win the win their championship or mm-hmm. something basic like that. I'm not typically betting on individual games very often, but I see the problem with what it creates. I mean, you look at, like, SMU's football team. They they got the death penalty because of all the mm-hmm. weird stuff going on. And 
I I will go to my grave saying that UNLV was paid to lose to Duke in that <laughs> because Duke had more money to buy their first national championship in basketball. Oh, Brian Tyndall's going to come down here and kick your butt. Well, whatever. <laughs> Tell him to get in line. But yeah, and so I I that's the underbelly of it is if gambling is accepted with sports there will be situations where it's it's manipulated the outcome is manipulated i am a cynic when it comes to the nfl and i say it all the time the the referees control the outcome of the games because of the way that penalties are called they can control tempo they can control uh momentum they can control if a game is if one team's playing too well suddenly you start calling more holding and more offense or pass interference or illegal contact because the players have have grown up and developed to do those, to commit those penalties because it doesn't get called as often. It doesn't get called every play because that would really bog down the game. So things like that. I'm a cynic when it comes to that kind of stuff. So Let me get your thoughts, all your thoughts on what I think bothers me the most about fantasy sports mm-hmm. and and gambling is that there's so many meta or little fractured things that you can bet on all the way through. Oh, yeah. You see people get upset all the time. You know, the Jets won 21 to 10, but they could have scored a touchdown with 30 seconds left, and that would have, you know, beat the spread. And you see people get upset about things like that. That that bothers me because then you're not interested in the actual – you're not rooting for the team. You're rooting for – Something else. You're rooting for the money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the whole point that John just brought out in the Mm -hmm. the scheme of things has changed. It isn't winning and losing. It's by how much and the point spread, et cetera, et cetera. And you saw it in some games this year, some football games. You bring up the Jets. Was it the Jets-Chiefs? I think it was. The Mm Jets-Chiefs game. The margin was 11 and the Chiefs won it by 12, I think is what it was. I, I, I may be maybe missing this, whatever the circumstance was. But it did happen by a margin of one point this year. But that's also the way sports happens to morph. That's all part of the game. It's the ones where you miss an extra point yeah, or uh, or a uh, chip shot field goal from, <clears throat> you know, and that can happen. But, yes, what are the percentages of it happening? There, yeah, there are going to be circumstances in question. But by the same token, with today's media being what it is, and I'm not a fan of today's media in any respect, but with the influx of reporters covering games and so forth, can you hide something like that? I think you can to a point, Ned, and here's here's the reason I'm going to give. Because, yes, people will say, and I hate to shake everyone out there's faith in humanity, but I'm going to do so. <laughs> Uh-oh. You know, there are fail-safes with the books in Vegas, if they see a huge bet that swings, obviously the odds change. They have protections in place. However, the example I'll give, the McDonald's Monopoly game, which was beyond reproach and people loved playing that. There's a documentary on HBO that shows how this organized crime organization got hundreds of patsies stole the winning pieces and divvied them out over a period of years. And, you know, you don't notice it when it's one person in Virginia, one person, you know, somebody's not winning $10 million. But if you have hundreds of $40,000 winners, that failsafe's not going to prevent things like that. So I think we're naive to think something like that couldn't occur. 
Josh? I think it is occurring. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I I think that as the coverage has increased and and we feel like it's harder for them to do it, they have figured out the ways to do it. Are you guys saying, proclaiming here, that there are ways to beat any system going? <laughs> yes. Yes. Beyond a shadow of doubt. No. Yes. One hundred percent. We've revealed a sad truth on the radio today. I'm living oh, yeah. in naivete. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think one of the things that really upset me is I saw a few years ago in a fantasy football game that, that a, a player took a knee and he needed like two or three yards to go over a hundred or whatever, and people were got really upset, and one guy threatened to break his legs. Oh, I, I, <laughs> and, yeah. and just things well, like that, just it gets out of hand. I, it does. I quit playing fantasy football because the last year that I played was Randy Moss's rookie season. I was I rooted for the Vikings back then. I really liked watching them. And I would get mad every week because he would only score one touchdown. <laughs> or he'd only have 150 yards receiving. And I'm like, what? I should be enjoying the fact that they're winning and playing so well. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to our roundtable discussion, which we've been having all day. But let's get to uh, our comeback story. That's what we're going to talk about on Ned Talk and 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Memorial Day weekend. Ned, do you have any plans? <laughs> Fire up that lawnmower, you bet. <laughs> I've never seen somebody so excited to mow their yard as you are. Well, it's, uh, in my case, a sense of accomplishment. I, guess. <laughs> I would think you would have a team of people that would come and do your Not yard. Probably. And you'd Not watch from the window while you sipped a cup of coffee. and Yeah. Well, yeah. it wouldn't be sipping coffee, but... <laughs> oh, you're a coffee drinker. I know you are. So let's go into our roundtable discussion. We had a big story last week in one of the uh, majors, the PGA. Was that the, was that the tournament? It was Phil Mickelson coming yeah. back and winning the oldest, oldest one ever. 50. It, am I assuming that you want to talk about the great comebacks? Yeah, let's talk about comebacks. You know, uh, Phil made me get out my clubs. I'm just a little bit older than him, and I think <laughs> maybe I've got a shot at the British Open next year. Yes. There you go. I'm trying. I'm working on it. Give yourself some time. My greatest comeback is not from the one that you guys might expect. Uh, the fact that the man came back. Dave Dravecki. Do you guys oh, remember you. Dave oh, Dravecki? Yes, this was one I was going to bring up. Dave Dravecki, here's here's a guy who was diagnosed with bone cancer in his arm. This is 1989 or 90, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. He's, and he's a very good pitcher, very good lefty for the San Francisco Giants, and, and is a very good pitcher. An all-star, highly regarded, all that sort of thing. He opts for the treatment. They said, we, can, we think we can isolate this and so forth. Goes through a freezing technique on the bone, drives his first comeback, and then I think maybe had some kind of an arm problem with some maybe muscle problem. Comes back for the second time, mm-hmm. still going on with the freezing treatment. He's pitching in Montreal, and I think he's in the second second inning. Does that second inning, right? I believe. Second yes. inning, unloads a pitch, and the crack, the snap of the bone is heard around Olympic Stadium. Sounds mm-hmm. like a rifle shot. He has broken his arm. Mm-hmm. The freezing technique, I guess physicians did not realize this, but the freezing technique had weakened the arm. This is a major mm-hmm. league pitcher. And the only only recourse now is what's called a disarticulation. It is an amputation, yes, but it is not one in which the arm is cut off. It is disarticulated from the socket. So it is pulled out. Now, there's surgery involved, of course, 
But that's how it's done. The complete arm is removed. Mm -hmm. I had the opportunity and did so, interviewed him about, I'm going to say, four or five years ago when he was here to speak at New Covenant Academy. Mm -hmm. Wonderfully articulate guy, forthcoming with the story, as you might. He's a motivational speaker. Mm -hmm. But I asked him point blank. I said, do you still just level with me? It's not, we're not faulting you or anything. Do you still feel the effects? He said, oh, yeah, absolutely. Sure. And it's been 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I said, there is such a thing following an amputation or uh, the removal of a limb of phantom pain. He said, absolutely. He said, I still feel it 20 years later, mm-hmm. and I still have to overcome that mentally. And I thought, boy, this guy is just plain tough absolutely tough to come back from a circumstance like that, expose himself to the public and speak about it, mm-hmm. speak about overcoming the tremendous trials that you have to go through, even attempting to come back as a major league pitcher. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's that's my, that, he's my number one. Mm-hmm. John, what about you? Uh, this one's a tough one. I'm going to go with one because the term is so frequently used. I'm going to bring up Tommy John. Yep. Basically had a career-ending injury by all accounts, went with an experimental surgery that now is in our vernacular. And I think a lot of people, when they say the phrase Tommy John surgery, don't realize its namesake. He came back, pitched well for the rest of his career, and in my opinion, should be a Hall of Famer. It's an underwear company now, too, by the way. Oh, is it? Tommy John Underwear. Oh, I didn't know that. Which is kind of unfortunate for him. He has to be getting some money. I hope hope that he is. (laughs) What about you, Josh? Oh, I'm going to say Alex Smith. I was going to say Alex Smith, too. Sorry, Mm -hmm. I took yours. Uh, Just because, I mean, after the injury that he suffered, they were talking about amputation Mm -hmm. for him. Mm -hmm. And for him not only to to get through all of that, but then to come back and have a, a solid season with Washington, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Because he had nothing to prove to anybody. He was proving it to himself. And I think that's the same with all these other guys. They, you know, they, nobody's going to fault them for saying, I'm done. But no, they, in their mind, knew that there was something else that they had to accomplish. And so it's very inspirational to see these guys come back, have the success that they've had, and, and then they leave on their own terms. It's, I think there's so many different types of comeback stories. We might be watching one right now with Albert Pujols, yes. you know, getting released by the Angels. And then he's, he's had a little impact on the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Not huge, but he's coming up with some big hits for them. The fact that he is there and is still one of the great hitters in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, does his really count as a comeback, though? Because he, he hasn't been out of the game mm-hmm. and he hasn't, he, yeah, he's had sore feet. But does that count as, as really a catastrophic injury? Like if Eisman, who gets his oh leg snapped in two on television, comes back. And another one, and I, I think it was Paul George, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, the horrible I mean, he, injury. Yes. Yeah, that was in the Olympic trials, it for was, God's sake, right. that this happened. He snapped his leg. He's back playing. Mm-hmm. That uh, injury apparently is uh, one in which you, if, if you get to the physicians, the orthopedic surgeons in time, they can put it back and mm-hmm. you're okay. Not great, but you're okay. Okay. I'm going to give you one out of right field. Mm-hmm. It's a different sort of comeback story. Ron LaFleur. Oh, yeah. He went to prison. Prison. Yes. Went to prison and came back and played Major League Baseball at a high level. Yes. Um, nice. Listened to fans chant at him all the time in the outfield <laughs> and say things to him. But Ron LaFleur is a story of a man with strength who overcame what he did to himself 
and then was able to come back and 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 play in sports and but it's it, you know it's nice to see somebody like Phil Mickelson who it has to be the streakiest golfer. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, you think that he's done and the next thing he does he wins the master. He he won't make cuts and then all of a sudden he gets on a course and bang it clicks for him. Yep. He's the same one who in a tournament I think 2 or 3 years ago one of the majors was so bad and he hit a putt that was, I mean, so far off. And then he ran after the putt and stopped it before. <laughs> yes. I mean, yes. come on. Nobody does that. And here's the guy who wins yeah. the PGA, wins a major, the oldest one ever to win a major. Mm-hmm. I actually saw, this is John knows this, John coached baseball with me, mm-hmm. is uh, one of my pet peeves with coaching was throwing your glove. I saw a major league player throw his glove the other day at mm-hmm. a ball. That's ground at rule. The ball. That's a triple. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He threw. He, he was oh, a wow. second baseman. The ball got by him, and he threw his glove at it. And I thought, you can't do wow, that. what sort of mental breakdown are we seeing? Right. You know, back to Mickelson for just a split second. I wonder how many of you guys remember this. It was last year, last September, as a matter of fact, late August or September, and the PGA was continuing with a revamped schedule, and they had these playoffs. It's the um, oh, I've forgotten what they call it now, but it's a series of four for uh, competitions in which you play off and gradually reduce the field down to the PGA Championship in Atlanta. Well, Philzy failed to qualify, failed to qualify for the tournament in Massachusetts, and I think it was December, uh, September, I think it was. So he's, he didn't qualify. He's not going to be able to play round three and four, I guess is what it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he looked around, and wait a minute, where's this Branson? Yeah, Branson. He had qualified for this, the Champions Tour. He was that age, qualified. Well, let's just fly there. He's got his own plane. Flies down, wins the doggone thing. The And uh, his first Champions event comes down and wins it in Branson Moe and says, well, it's a pretty good weekend after all. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about him being, or I mentioned that he's incredibly streaky. I don't, do you, I know you bet a little bit. I know you bet a little bit. Do you, either one of you, bet on golf at no. all? That's that's yeah. a tough one. That's but yeah. if you but if you were, would you put any money on him at all? Never. Never. No. I mean, and going into the, I mean, it's a great comeback story when you see <laughs> Phil Mickelson. And he's one of those guys too. Um, I, I think that sports and sports fans have kind of a love hate relationship with Phil Mickelson. <laughs> Sometimes you think, oh, this is a really good guy, and then other times you think this guy is so out of touch. <laughs> With anybody that doesn't make less than a million dollars a year, that, you know, right. what do you mean you don't have your own private plane? Right. <laughs> if no I were, if, if, and the answer is no, I don't. But if I were going to bet on any any golf, I, uh, an individual, it would be on Bryson DeChambeau or yes. Brooks Kepka, one of those two, mm-hmm. one of those yeah. two individuals, because they're going to be the ones who will emerge. Yeah. Uh, guys like... Rory McIlroy and people like that, they, they're up there, mm-hmm. but how often do they win? And right. it, it's, it's diminishing for those guys. Well, I can tell you because I have a, an app that's just, it's a free betting thing. And if you, if you, you pick like certain winners and what their scores are going to be, and you can win up to $50,000 a week, I've never won anything <laughs> doing golf <laughs> because, and I'll pick Bruce Kepka and, and Bo, What's his name? Shambo. Shambo. Oh, D- <laughs> the most interesting names are in golf, <laughs> yeah, don't yes. you think? Crazy like, ones. Who names yeah, somebody I've, Bubba? <laughs> I've never won anything on the golf part of it. 
I've always been, mm. and I don't understand how people do it. It's it, they've just got to be lucky. It is lucky. It's more than it's got to be very. When you're when you're when you're dealing with teams and individuals in uh, track events or something like that, sure, you 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 have some basis for what you're doing. But in golf, it's you're crash. listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Beautiful day in front of us. 65 right now, sunny skies. 70 this afternoon for a high and then 51 for an overnight low. The clouds will roll in overnight. But still, it's a beautiful day, beautiful Memorial Day weekend. And we talk at this point of the show and ask each other what we're going to watch on TV this afternoon. Ned has already made it very clear that he is mowing. So will you be watching anything? Probably not, but I'll tell you what I will do after listening to you in that forecast and with our subject matter being what it was. Let's let's take some bets here as to what time the clouds roll in tonight. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'm certainly not going to use the Weather Channel to help me with that in any way, shape, or form. Uh, uh, but uh, I was going to ask you last week. You said you watched the um, the Division Two Championships. How was the game? It was the one double A one double one double A championships. It was won by Sam Houston State. Uh, in a really narrow victory over a great South Dakota State mm-hmm. team. And I'll tell you, I <laughs> had, to, had to sit there watching it. Here's a kid from South Dakota State who's running on the ground, uh, accumulated 180 yards in the game, and also ran 85 yards for a touchdown that to put them ahead. Now, eventually, Sam Houston State won in the end, but this kid runs... And the announcer's screaming at the top of his lungs, there goes Isaiah Davis. I said, how curious is that? He's got the same name as that kid from Joplin who was a top player last year. So it was. Same oh, kid. Yep. Same, same kid from <laughs> Joplin High School, the Gatorade Player of the Year. Yep. And he's playing in Brookings, South Dakota. <laughs> Wait a minute. Why is he not wearing the maroon and white here or Agreed. the black and gold in MU or maybe the green and gold at Missouri Southern? No, he's up there, South Dakota State. How in the world did this happen? And he is a sophomore next year. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was it was a solid game. Uh, fortunately for Missouri State, they don't play South Dakota State next year. They're not on the schedule. But North Dakota, mm-hmm. the team that knocked them out, is on the schedule, and they are here on I think it's, it's last Saturday in October, whatever mm-hmm. that is. So what are you going to watch? Are you going today? To, yeah, probably tonight. A little bit of the uh, NASCAR, just just to get the flavor of the uh, of the six hundred that they run down in Charlotte. That's that's their answer. NASCAR's answer to the Indy five hundred. The flavor will be barbecue sauce. <laughs> <laughs> that will be the flavor. Beer. What about you, John? What are you going to watch? Uh, I'll probably watch baseball a lot of the day. You know, with the MLB package. Unfortunately, I can't watch the Cardinals live because why, of why did they change that? Well. It, it's all here's my little editorial blackout restrictions need to end they need to it's change it's an outdated policy people are still going to go to the games blackout restrictions were in place when they were at 10% capacity this year how are people going to get to the game what are you blacking it out for so i'm frustrated by all that but i'll watch some other teams and enjoy that what are you going to watch josh if i can find it on tv i'm going to watch game seven of the toronto maple leafs montreal canadians playoff series nice the 
Canadians won game one, lost three in a row, and then have won two in a row to get it to game seven. And that's the team I follow is Montreal. Let's really quickly get with you because yesterday, Champions League championship. Yep. That's too many champions in one sentence. It is. (laughs) UEFA Champions League champion is Chelsea. Chelsea. Yes, which is an interesting... I, I, mean, I know Chelsea. She's really yeah, nice. There's some good Chelsea's <laughs> in the world. So the one of the cool things about that is they have a player, uh, an American player named Christian Pulisic, mm-hmm. who became the first American player to win a uh, Champions League championship. So Because by and large, most of the European leagues don't have Americans playing. So he's a he's a treasure. He's a great player. He's a treasure. He's a treasure. Oh, that's a that's a one of those you're you're saying a word that your parents would yeah, say. Yeah, I know, isn't that he's funny? He's a treasure. Did he play a college soccer here? I'm sure he did, but I have no idea where. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't play for Liverpool, so who cares? That's your favorite team, Liverpool. Why yeah. why did you choose Liverpool? I've got a couple of friends who live in Liverpool, and so when I started watching Premier League, I would talk to them on Facebook and stuff, and they're like, you can't root for anybody but Liverpool. <laughs> so, And then they have such a rich history. It's it's fun to... For those of you who don't know John or Josh very well, Josh is a uh, name dropper and a place dropper, so just thought <laughs> yeah. we'd pass it along to everybody. <laughs> well, enjoy your TV watching, guys. We will see you next Sunday for another round of Ned Talk. If you are tuning in and wanting to hear Led Zeppelin. I'm sure they're coming up shortly, but you can always listen to us as a podcast wherever you get your podcast at. want to say thanks to Scott Meyer, Corbin Campbell, and Mike the Intern. We'll see you next Sunday for Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave.